today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Mankind is created in the image and knowledge, in the image and likeness of God with a knowledge and capacity and a God consciousness within us. So when someone in the world is like, I I don't believe in God, they are going contrary to the very imprint of God within their very fiber because we're all created in his image and in his likeness and therefore without excuse. It's in essence God saying, my ownership and my imprint, my fingerprint is on your life. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Romans. Paul's letter to the Romans highlights the amazing news of God's grace. You'll learn how God reveals himself to all humanity, including the unrighteous. All unbelievers are exposed to the awesome power of God through creation. Pastor Gary will talk about the debates between creation and evolution, and he'll expose the evidence of creation and the fact that even scientists have been taking their stand against evolution. Whether they realize it or not, every person is fashioned in the image and likeness of God, and his creation declares his power. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Romans chapter 1 for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. There is responsibility. If you are first in privilege, you will also be first in penalty. That's what he says in chapter 2. So, verse 17, For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Again, that word faith appears 40 times in the book of Romans, more than any other epistle that Paul writes. He mentions the word faith more than any other epistle And so the gospel reveals the righteousness from God. So the gospel, the good news, brings to light the redemptive plan of God for us, the righteousness from God revealed for us that is by faith. Now, righteousness is just the right standing before God. None of us inherits right standing before God. None of us can work hard enough to get right standing before God. And this is this whole message of what righteousness is. How then do you get right standing with God? Through faith in what Christ has done. So this is the gospel. This is the good news. If you've ever felt like you don't measure up to God, welcome to the human race. So what's the remedy then? If none of us is good enough to get to God, well, the remedy is not that you work hard enough to become good enough. The remedy is you surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You put your faith and trust in what Christ has done on the cross. That's why Jesus said it is finished, because he finished that redemptive plan for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. So the gospel reveals this righteousness that is from God. And then, now, here comes, there's like good news, bad news in the book of Romans that you're going to find. It's it's like the good news, bad news. It's kind of like the guy who 
who died and went to heaven. And um, now this is not theologically correct. It's just a joke, friends. All right, go with me. And so his buddy back on earth um, got a visitation from his friend who had gone to heaven and said, I have good news and bad news. He said, what? He said, good news is there's baseball in heaven. And his friend is like this huge baseball fan. He's like, you're kidding me? He says, no, 24-7, baseball constantly. Everybody's playing baseball in heaven. It's incredible. You're going to love it when you get up here. And his friend says, well, what's the bad news? He said, well, you're pitching on Thursday. So anyway, <laughs> Romans is like good news, bad news. And so, you know, here's all this good news. Like there's a righteousness from God and the power of the gospel and there's good news here. And, you know, it's, it's the right standing with him and the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel and all this stuff. And then he goes, but let me tell you about the wrath of God that's going to be revealed against all the ungodliness and wickedness of the world. It's like, oh, great. Okay, well, here comes the other part of it. Because the gospel suppressed reveals the wrath of God. And this is the part of God's justice here that Paul wants us to understand, wants the church at Rome to understand as well. And so, again, verse 18, notice here, he says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness, King James says ungodliness, and wickedness, King James says unrighteousness, of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. This is interesting. We're going to talk about it. Because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. So he's going to make the argument... And again, this is why Stanford University Law School 100 years ago followed the way that he expresses himself because he's going to make a brilliant case here about why God is justified in revealing his wrath against people. It's not an expression of God being an unjust God. Quite to the contrary, it's an expression of God being quite a just God because people are without excuse. Well, how are people without excuse? He's going to explain it here. Now, I'm going to break down for you here. You're going to notice over the rest of chapter 1 and next week we get into chapter 2 that God gives a testimony of himself. And this, it, Paul's going to make three arguments here about how God gives a testimony of himself. And therefore, because he does, he is just in executing judgment against those who have suppressed the truth and denied the reality of who God is. It's not like they didn't know. And this is going to, in part, answer that question. Some of you are like, you know, maybe not some of you particularly, but I guarantee some of your friends who have pushed back on the gospel message and the whole thing about Jesus being the only way, and then they come up with this one. You ever heard this one? What about the guy on the island that's never heard about Jesus? You know, what, what's the answer for that guy? What about the guy on the island? You know why they often ask about the guy on the island? Because they just are trying to divert the truth that they are accountable to. So they, if they can just kind of point to the guy in the island, God's going to take care of the guy in the island. Because we're going to see the guy on the island right here in chapter 1 in just a minute. But the way that he reveals himself here are three particular ways. He's going to reveal himself in chapter 1 to the heathen through creation. All right, we're going to read that in a minute. And then in chapter 2, he reveals himself to the hypocrite through conscience. And then also into chapter 2, the latter part, he reveals himself to the Hebrew through commandments. So we're going to deal with basically the first category is the unrighteous. 
Second category is the self-righteous. The third category is the righteous. He's going to deal first with those who just don't know. They're the heathen. They're the person who doesn't know about Christ. You know, how can they understand who God is? And then he's going to move on to the hypocrite, the person who understands, but they don't live it out. And then thirdly, he's going to talk about the Hebrew, the Jewish people who have the commandments of God revealed uh, through the finger of God. So we're going to look at just the first one uh, tonight, having to deal with chapter 1 here, and talk about how God reveals himself through creation. Now again... It says here, verses 18, 19, and 20, that God is revealing his wrath from heaven because of the ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men who suppress. Notice this is intentional. They suppress the truth by their wickedness. And God says here, because what may be known about him is plain to them. If you have a King James Bible, it says, is manifest in them. This is very fascinating because what God says is, he says, listen, men are without excuse. They have actually suppressed my revelation of who I am by their wickedness. They have decided to engage in evil, wicked behavior and to deny my reality and my existence. He says, it has been made plain to them, NIV says, King James says, it is manifest in them. Now, how is the revelation of God manifest In people who don't even know God. Answer, Genesis 1.1. Every single human being is created in the image and likeness of our creator. We are all created, therefore, with what we would call a God consciousness. There is a God awareness in the heart of every single human being. Because every human being, even before you come to know Christ in a personal way, all of us are fashioned in the image and likeness of of God. Now that is only said of humanity, by the way. Only humanity has the distinct privilege of being in the image and likeness of God. When God first created the plant kingdom, there was no image of God. There was, there was no imprint other than he created. When he created the animal kingdom, it's a step above the plant kingdom. Because in the animal kingdom, when God created the animals, it says he created them as living souls. You can read in Genesis 1 and 2. The Hebrew word is nefesh. He actually created animals with a soul. Now this is fascinating because it means that animals have the capacity to think and reason. And to feel emotion. Because that's what a soul is. Now that's very obvious to all of us, right? Because your dog exhibits emotion and sometimes you know anger you know and sometimes fear thunderstorm we had a dog that was always scared of thunderstorms and would she would tremble every time so that's emotion wagging the tail happy that's emotion right versus the fern on your front porch that's the that's that's the plant kingdom zero emotion now by the way some people will ask me from time to time well then that does that mean that, that because animals have souls, that they're going to go to heaven. Okay, so I can't tell you that your dog is going to go to heaven. I can definitively say that your cat is going to hell. Straight there. Straight, straight to hell. I know that for sure. And I, I, I know that for sure because there better not be in heaven. You know what I'm saying to you? Get up to heaven. You know, forget that. I'm not, that's not happening. So I can clearly say that. But... Now track with me. So come on back, you cat lovers. God bless you. Just pray for me. 
So you have the plant kingdom, no emotion, no soul, no nothing. You have the animal kingdom, living souls, they at least be able to express emotion. They feel they have the capacity to think and reason. You step it up further to humanity. Because humanity is created in the image and likeness of God. Meaning, we not only have a soul, we have a spirit. We have a spirit. Now the soul is within the spirit so that when you and I die and you know Christ is your savior your body will return and disintegrate to the 17 same chemical elements as dirt mainly hydrogen and oxygen and 15 other trace elements okay so our bodies the flesh returns to dirt but your spirit lives forever you know Christ with the Lord he's going to go to heaven you're going to go to heaven your spirit retains the soulish imprint of your life so you retain Mind, will, emotion, ability to think and to reason and to feel. And your spirit is that real essence of who you are. Physically, we will all die. But spiritually, we will all live and you will still retain that soulish capacity of who you really are. And so in that sense, we are distinguished among everything else of God's creation. That's why on the sixth day, when God created humanity, every other day, God said it is good at the end of the day. But when God created humanity, he said it is very good. Because mankind is created in the image and knowledge, in the image and likeness of God, with a knowledge and capacity and a God consciousness within us. So when someone in the world is like, I, I don't believe in God, they are going contrary to the very imprint of God within their very fiber. Because we're all created in his image and in his likeness, and therefore without excuse. It's in essence God saying, my ownership and my imprint, my fingerprint is on your life. So if you want to go around saying, I don't even believe in him, and I don't want to submit to him, and I don't even think he's real, you are denying the reality of who I am, who knit you together in your mother's womb, and who designed you and fashioned you with the very essence of who I am. This is why mankind is without excuse. Because we are actually going contrary to the very imprint of God upon our lives. And creation is a revelation of the existence of God. Not only within us, because again, he says it's been made plain to them. It's manifest in them. But also he says there, verse 20, for since the creation of the world, since the creation of the world, now he takes it externally. God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So that men are without excuse. I remember years ago, my neighbor, they've since moved, but um, he described himself as an atheist. So, you know, we're just having conversation in the backyard. Our lawns were, we didn't have a fence between our lawns. And so he's out mowing one day, I'm out mowing one day. And so there was a beautiful sunset. And he stopped for a minute and, and you know, we're just chatting. And he's, he's like, wow, check that sunset out. Sunset, that's just so beautiful and I, and I was just like where do you think that came from you know and I, I was always pressing his buttons and we had a good you know a good relationship just kind of just challenging him at different times in different ways and so I was just kidding around with him he goes oh, yeah I know I know God did that I said no no no, that all happened by random chance over long periods of time <laughs> and he says I know you mock evolution I said yeah yeah that is true but I said you know on the other hand you want to deny the existence of God you see you see a beautiful sunset painted on the horizon and you want to think that somehow that just occurred all by itself. Who do you think held the paintbrush for that? See, what Paul is saying here is, you should be able to look at creation and realize that all of this didn't just happen accidentally, that it shouts 
intelligent design. Now, I would take it a step further and say divine design, but let's just use some vocabulary that at least people that you want to try to reason with in your, in your office can understand when it comes to the idea of evolution versus intelligent design. This whole thing of creation, friends, is the revelation of God in the world. Unfortunately, we live in a day in which Christianity and the Bible and your faith is often mocked. And so the whole idea of creation is something that only stupid people believe in. You know, it's, it's interesting because back in 1925, the Scopes monkey trials, which started because a school teacher by the name of John Thomas Scopes, who was 24 years old, he was a science teacher, he's actually like a, a PE teacher, but then he, had, he substituted for science and he ended up teaching evolution, which was illegal in 1925, to teach evolution in the public schools. So there was this whole trial in, in Tennessee, the Scopes Monkey Trial, and uh, it was um, presided over by Judge John Ralston, who, when he opened up the case, when he up and opened up the court hearing to try John Thomas Scopes, Judge Ralston began the trial by reading the first 27 verses of Genesis 1. Can you imagine if that happened today? Like there's, there's a, a trial going on and the judge opens up the book of Genesis and said, I'm just going to read the first 27 verses of Genesis chapter 1. Everybody mocked Mr. Scopes. The trial lasted 15 days. The jury deliberated eight minutes and found him guilty of violating the law by teaching evolution. And Scopes was ordered to pay $100 fine. Now here we are, you know, in the early 21st century now and my how times have changed. In 1925, a guy was put on trial for teaching evolution, and now you're mocked if you teach creation. But I don't want anybody here to, you know, drink the Kool-Aid and think, well, you know, this is the weak point of Christianity because, you know, all the intelligent scientific minds of the world believe in evolution, and maybe we should just get on board and believe that. Let me tell you something. Not all the intelligent scientific minds believe in evolution. I'm holding in my hands a document that is 23 pages long. You can actually print it out. These are all names. More than 800 names of various scientists. They all have to hold a PhD in a scientific field such as biology, chemistry, mathematics, engineering, computer science, or one of the other natural sciences, or they must hold an MD, a medical degree, and serve as a professor of medicine in order to sign what is called a scientific descent from Darwinism. There are more than 800 PhDs and MDs who signed this document. You can actually go online and download it for yourself. It's descentfromdarwin.org. Descentfromdarwin.org. More than 800 names, some of the brightest minds around the world, who signed this statement. They're not even all professing Christians. In fact, there's no mention at all about their faith, but they signed this statement. Listen, quote, we are skeptical of claims for the ability of random mutation and natural selection to account for the complexity of life. Careful examination of the evidence for Darwinian theory should be encouraged. So in other words, these 800 people in the scientific and medical communities are saying, we don't believe in Darwinian evolution. You need to investigate that and you need to make an intelligent decision for yourselves because we have real problems with it. It's interesting, too, about five years ago, the Washington Post ran an article that publishing the findings from Penn State University, and the article's entitled, Study Most High School Biology Teachers 
don't endorse evolution. What Penn State found was that when they surveyed high school biology teachers across the country, that many of them have such a problem with evolution that they teach it in a careful way without at all endorsing it. In fact, according to this study by Penn State, 60% of high school biology teachers, 60% intentionally, fail to explain the nature of scientific inquiry they intentionally undermine the authority of established experts and intentionally legitimize creationist arguments. So don't think that just because some people will say to you, well, the smartest and the brightest people are the ones who actually believe in evolution and the dumb Christians are the one who believes in creationism. That just simply isn't true. Here's a quote from a self-described atheist with a PhD in zoology from Columbia University. Dr. Stanley Salth, he said this. He's now Professor Emeritus of Brooklyn College of the City University of New York. He said, quote, a self-described atheist, quote, Darwinian evolutionary theory was my field of specialization in biology. Among other things, I wrote a textbook on the subject 30 years ago. Meanwhile, however, I have become an apostate from Darwinian theory and have described it as part of modernism's origination myth, end quote. For some of you who might like to explore this on kind of a more scientific intellectual level, I encourage you to do what Dr. Michael Behe did. He was professor, is professor still of biochemistry at Lehigh University. He wrote a book called Darwin's Black Box. He was a staunch supporter as a scientist of evolution because that's what he was taught. Like many people, they're just kind of taught that. And the theory becomes somehow reality even though there's no substantive basis behind the theory. So Michael Behe accepted, without being a critical thinker, that evolutionary theory must be true. But he said this, the complexity of the human cell could not be explained by Darwinian evolution. He says the data didn't support it. And here's what changed his mind, because he read a book by Michael Denton. And for those of you who like to dig this kind of thing further, it's entitled Evolution, A Theory in Crisis. Dr. Michael Behe, a professor of biochemistry at Lehigh University, said, I got a hold of this book by Michael Denton entitled Evolution, A Theory and Crisis. And as a result, now Dr. Behe is now a strong advocate for intelligent design. And by the way, when you go to his website and read his bio at Lehigh University's website, there's a disclaimer that Lehigh University has there saying that Dr. Behe's views do not represent the views of the university. Well, it shouldn't surprise us. There's a whole lot more I want to say about all of this related to creation and why this is all upside down here. Let me just show you where I'm going with this, and then next week we're going to tackle this. Evolution inverts the divine order of God. God's divine order is God created man, and he gave dominion to man over creation. Now today it is inverted. We have creation as the supreme thing that is worshipped, including all of the preoccupation with environmentalism, PETA, saving the spotted owl and the whale, man is secondary to creation. Why can I make that claim? Because when you're more concerned about saving the spotted owl than you are a baby in a mother's womb, it's upside down. And God has now been relegated to third place. As you've been learning from this study in Romans, 
Every person on earth has sinned and deserves the punishment of eternity separated from God. Jesus changed all of that, though. He came to die in your place, to give you grace, and to offer you the gift of life with Him in heaven forever. Are you ready to accept this gift? We'd love to talk with you more about it, so give us a call at 703-771-1500. That number again is 703-771-1500. We'd like to also direct you to our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Under the Grow tab, click on How to Get to Heaven to hear from Pastor Gary about this important decision. We're so excited for you. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Cornerstone Connection, you'll find them at cornerstoneconnection.cc as well, or download our mobile app to take them with you wherever you go. We love to meet you too, so if you live in or are visiting the Leesburg area, come visit us at Cornerstone Chapel. We meet each Sunday and Wednesday to spend time in prayer and worship and studying the Bible, and we're excited to have you join us. You'll find directions on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. Thanks for tuning in today for Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know 